and I'm muted. So here we go. Uh, hey guys. <laughs> oh, that's so funny because Ryan just said, <laughs> what could to, possibly uh, go wrong? <laughs> yeah. Welcome to this edition of Roundtable. I'm here with some friends. And the line that Ryan said right before we went live was, what could possibly go wrong? And I was muted. And uh, so a lot is about to go wrong. So <laughs> in, the reason that we started this, this, this is an example of why this roundtable is either the best idea or the worst idea that we've <laughs> ever done in ministry. Uh, we've got some great friends. So the people, what we're doing here, guys, is we are trying to fight isolation uh, during this quarantine time and just getting together with friends and letting people in on conversations that we're having as we reconnect with, with friends and talk about what God's doing. So uh, the goal of the time is, is just to enjoy some conversation with uh, people we love. So Jeff and I are kind of co-hosting this thing. And and um, so I we've got some topics we want to hit on. First, let me just introduce everyone to you guys. For those of you that don't know, first of all, um, Drew Stevenson is the pastor of Salt City Church up in Minneapolis. Uh, Drake Epkis is on staff up there, leads the Salt Company at St. Thomas. David Livingston is on staff up at Doxa in Madison, and Ryan Hamby is on staff here at Veritas Leading Salt. The thing that all of you guys have in common is, and the reason that you ended up on the screen today, is that all of you uh, have led Salt Company in Iowa City, uh, except Drake, who he's lead. he was a part of Salt staff and now is leading a Salt in a different place, but that's kind of the uh, the common thread with the guys on the screen. And so, uh, what's up guys? How are you doing? You doing great. Doing great. All Very right. pumped for this call. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, I want to start with this question. So go around and just give me the quick, like, let's get the coronavirus conversation out of the way. <laughs> <Or just laughs> yeah. Boiling it down to, if you had to boil it down to just a big idea of kind of what your reflections on this season, what you're learning or whatever, what would it be? Like in kind of a concise, just quick hitting way. Drew, start us off. What you got? I would say that this season has been a mirror to my true self mm. in a really good way. And I've enjoyed spending time with God and I haven't enjoyed the sin that's been exposed. Because of that. <laughs> <laughs> David, what do you got? Yeah. So it's so hard to put this in anything concisely. This, this season has been since quarantine started has been probably one of the most formative times of my life with Jesus. And so it's hard, it's hard to put it into like a simple thing, but I think a lot of it has been slowing down and like learning to abide in Christ. Um, so yeah, that'd be my simple answer. More stuff might come out later, but yeah. Yeah. I, I want you to unpack later when we're talking about the Willard quote about doing nothing. Oh, so, incredible. Yeah. Not now, but we'll come back to it. Uh, Drake, what do you got, man? Um, yeah, as I was reflecting on it, I think, uh, just the concept of a Psalm 27, wait for the Lord, 
Um, and just seeing more and more how it's not the pace of life that allows us to, but a posture of our heart. Um, and as life has slowed down a little bit, just realizing it's, it's my heart posture that needs to be repositioned to wait and not just expecting a slower life to do that. So I think that's just been revealing. It was a hard adjustment at first, but learning more and more what it looks like to do that would be mine. Yeah. Ryan, what about you? Uh, amongst other things, I think <laughs> redefining what, it, what thriving is and mm-hmm. that thriving might just be surviving sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, it sounds kind of funny, but it's like, I mean, I get, like, if I aim my whole entire day at, like, thriving, I often disappoint myself. But I don't know. If I, if I survive a day or survive a week with a good sense of humor, it uh, seems to carry a long way in this season. So, Dude, at least you got your house decorated before this all started, man. I know. It's, it's like, incredible. You should take us on a virtual tour, man. It's so beautiful. Oh man, no! Now the pressure is. I'm not going to do that because you. <laughs> we do salt director cribs. <laughs> the podcast somebody needs to start is just. <laughs> and it should be a podcast too. No video, just all the descriptions. <laughs> all the descriptions. Describe your couch. <laughs> Oh, Jeff, what do you got? What? Yeah, it's a, it's funny you would ask that question. I didn't realize that was going to be the first question. But earlier today, for whatever reason, my stream of consciousness, I thought of that old movie titled The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And I think it kind of wraps up what these last few days have been like, like some really good stuff. I mean, even the articles that you're you're going to ask us to reflect on and stuff, man, there's been a lot of that kind of thing, some new reflections, beautiful stuff, uh, listening to Francis Schaefer, stuff like that. Um, the bad, I mean, I, man, I can be such an idiot, especially toward my wife. I can, I can suddenly believe that there's a very legalistic way that we're supposed to, uh, you know, do every day. And so then when I'm here to monitor every moment of her day, I like to tell her exactly the way that she ought to be living that. So that's the bad, really bad, totally ashamed of myself for that legalistic. Um, And then the ugly would be, you know, even things like finally my, I asked my military son to buzz my hair off because I was getting so tired of having an unhaircutted hair, you know? So anyway, so he buzzed my head last night, but anyway, the good, the bad and the ugly. That's, that's been my life for the last weeks. Oh, good. Yeah, it's it's a it's a crazy time, but I'm looking forward to processing some things. I, I want to jump into the article. Uh, so today we're gonna we're gonna be talking about this article. That so I think the thread was Drew sent it to his staff. Said you got to read this. Jordan sent it to you, David. Said you yeah. got to read this. You sent it to me. Said you got to read this and every young emerging leader in salt company should read this. David, what, why this article? So it's an article uh, that Ray Ortland wrote and it was uh, published in desiring God. Can you just kind of intro it on why you thought this, this resonated so much with you? Yeah. Well, I thought the sermon I sent to people, it was a little too long. Most people wouldn't listen to it. (laughs) It felt like maybe more, more accessible, but I think that one of the 
one of the things that always happened with Jesus disciples when that kind of, no matter where they were, the, the question that was almost the biggest question that they had, had very little to do with Jesus and also about themselves. Right. It was like, that's the question they keep asking over and over again is it's not even who is Jesus. It's, it's which one of us is the greatest of your, of his followers, you know? And I think that when you're, when you're young in ministry, um, whether you want to or not, like that is just a question that just like lingers in your soul. You know, it's just like, am I, am I great? Am I, am I as great as that person? And how is, how is God going to use me? What is my, and all of it is like, it's mixed with a, it's a godly ambition that's mixed with sin. Right. And so I think what Ray Orland does in that article is he, he gives people who really do want to make an impact on the world for Jesus, which we all do. He calls us to some very simple, like gospel truths that are like really shaping for us. And so, you know, for instance, he, he basically tells young people like, Hey, don't be, don't be worried. Uh, if, if you're not going as fast as you think you should be, like, it's actually okay that, you know, it's actually okay that, that you do things slowly. Um, and he says, the reason for this is because there's certain things that God wants to do in you that only time will be able to do like wounds, a bunch of different things like that. So that, I mean, that's just like a little piece of it, but I, I've talked for a little bit. What about you guys? Yeah. So now, yeah, to you, Drew, what was, why did you send this to your staff and what resonated from your perspective? Big picture with this article. Yeah, I think it, it really caused me, if there's one sin that's been exposed in me during this time, it's selfish ambition. Mm-hmm. And you know, I apologize to our staff pretty early on because I was getting into just counting numbers and taking the next steps organizationally. And I think not focused on the heart and what it really means to walk with Jesus and to know him. And this has revealed that and that article really, I think crystallized the conviction for me. Yeah. Cool. It's, he, he starts off um, for those of you who haven't read it, all these guys have read it. We'll talk about it, but he says, um, this article is for every young man who feels that his glory is Mm. taking too long to become obvious. Amazing. This is for every young man in ministry who feels restless and eager and ambition, ambitious with godly ambition for more opportunities to make his mark for Christ. Yes, you have mixed, emo- mixed motives. Who doesn't? But your desire to cut a wide swath of gospel harvest is of God. I love how Ray just like doesn't start by just lambasting, you know, just just... You know, you're proud, you're young, you're, but he really just is like, I get it, you know? And I just think that's so, just his spirit is so um, hopeful and encouraging. But how do you guys feel? Have you ever felt that? Um, It's taking too long for people to recognize how important I am. (laughs) How I don't matter as much as I need to. Oh, man. Uh, you, you guys felt that and what has that looked like in your life 
Hmm. Yeah, I was initially, I mean, convicted by this when he's talking about young leaders and then he defines that as 30 year olds and I'm like, holy cow, I'm not even to that mark of his definition of young leaders yet. And I think for me, it's just been like basing, uh, yeah, basing how I'm doing on the, yeah, those opportunities that I'm getting or whether that be speaking or leading um, and that kind of defining how I'm doing in a role rather than like, I loved his encouragement just to slow down, love the people that are in front of you um, and to focus on the task in front of you and to seek the slow process rather than the, yeah, the quick jump. So that was, yeah, incredibly humbling for me to hear. I feel like the, the piece of it is, it isn't just the slowness that he's talking about, but is he literally says, here's what you should try to do as a young leader. Find the smallest, you know, most humble position, figure out what that is and go do that. And that is amazing because it's exactly what Jesus tells all his disciples to do. And none of us want to do it. I mean, it's just like, I've just been so stunned by that recently. And this, this article is just like one more of like many, you know, many examples of this, but he's just like saying, yeah, like go, go, you know, Jesus said that stuff and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're telling people about it. He's like, you should just go do that. And we're like, ah, it's easier to tell other people <laughs> than to actually do it. And uh, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, this article, I, it didn't, it didn't feel like I, like I've made a train wreck of my life. And I, if I would have had this article 10 years ago, it would have changed everything. But it felt like it was like kind of what you're saying, Drew. It was like, a lot of the things I've been feeling in scripture and reading in scripture, but sometimes aren't as articulated like that. It felt like that this article was just like, Hey, actually you have the freedom to do this. You actually have the freedom to pursue some of this way of life that even though you don't want to in your pride, there's a part of you that because you want to follow Jesus, there's something that was actually freeing in this article. Like, well, I can actually, I can actually do that. And, he, and there's like this older man of God who has a great ministry who's saying, yeah, you can. So I actually felt in some sense freed by this article to pursue some things that actually feel pretty backwards or even can feel like I'm not being a good steward of my gifts or I'm not being, you know, if I don't, if I don't go after the biggest platform and I don't start a website and try to get my sermons out or something, then I'm not really being a faithful steward. And this article is basically saying, no, no, you can, you can actually pursue humility and pursue a small, a small place, a small role, whatever. And that's actually a way of, of being faithful and developing holiness. And if God wants you to have something bigger, he'll do that. You don't have to work for it. Wow. I remember, uh, six or seven years ago now, uh, yeah, I think it was seven years ago now sitting down with you, Drew, in Java House in downtown Iowa City doing some B-grade version of a SALT leadership interview uh, where we talked about SALT leadership like five minutes. But <laughs> what you brought up, I still laugh about this to this day, you brought up what my connection group leader said about me, uh, which was Drake. <laughs> and uh, what Drake said that you mm -hmm. relayed to me was – that I loved to uh, interject all that I had been learning and reading and listening to uh, at Connection Group. I was always quick to have the best answer in group. 
it's just really funny to look back on it being here right now because it's like you come onto a call like this like oh man I hope I have something really really good to say like I hope I have some really good insight on like these articles that we read I was like dude Ryan shut up like who cares what you have to say just like enjoy listening to you know these older wiser men who have shaped your life and so yeah not much has changed over seven years but uh thankful to be just walking in your guys' shadow still man ryan it's funny that you'd say that because i was just thinking like i as i read the article i had to keep reminding myself oh wait i'm not the target audience <laughs> I'm, i think i'm supposed to be beyond this <laughs> Like, oh, shoot, <laughs> I must be way behind the curve, you know? So I don't know if that'll encourage you guys or discourage you guys, but, but there is that sense, man, that, that it's kind of a slippery slope, right? That you could take your eye off the ball and you're heading back down into some old habits and self-centeredness yeah. and self-gratification, just all that all over again, wanting the applause of men. So, yeah, I actually did have to kind of remind myself, oh, my word, he's, he's trying to speak to the Jeff Dodge of, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And I'm still needing to lean in and relearn this stuff. So mm. yeah. how do you guys think about like in some ways our church, even our network is kind of fueled by the ambition of youth in many ways. And how do you see that among your peers? You know, as you guys get together in your circles, what kinds of things do you hear that's like, Ooh, we need to be careful with that. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I've heard a lot of, I'm going to go to this city and plant a church and do this. And, you know, and people kind of mark in their territory already with, wait, I kind of, I've got that university figure, you know, um, it's, it's great ambition. It's a, we want to take the good news to the ends of the earth. And there's a fine line between that ambition when it becomes selfish ambition versus godly ambition. Like, what are some of the things you hear where it's like, mm, let's be careful with that? I, I think one of the things in my experience is that with the crown comes the cross. And so saying, I want to do something great for God is also saying, I would mm. like to suffer more. Wow. And mm. so, you know, I was reading in Psalm 119 this morning, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And I think, you know, I, I look at Melissa and I went through three years of infertility, a three-year adoption process finding out that our oldest had special needs, zero to four kids at once, Jude dying, now another kid with ADHD and sensory processing disorder. And so maybe from the outside, it's like, wow, Drew's been successful in the SALT network. But it's been horrible. <laughs> I mean, in another way. You know, mm. and and all you see is this guy speaking at the SALT conference or getting stage time because he planted a church. And so I think I, uh, yeah, mm. I, there's a hesitation in me to want to do more great things. <laughs> <laughs> 
the great thing is the is the cross. I mean, mm. a, a student is not greater than his master. I mean, that's what a great insight. I love how you said that. Uh, I want to do something great for God is saying, I want to suffer more. Wow. Mm. Ryan and Drake, what, what, what do you guys, you know, think about that as at where ambition, how, how do you know in your own heart when the ambition has become Something mm. selfish. Usually when you tell me, Mark, that's how I know. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, yeah, I think I can think of just conversations being all about the exciting next thing and um, not having that perspective that we're talking about. Um, and that's where... Yeah, guys can just rally around and talk about those things. And there's one line that he said that was like so good for me to hear where he said his plan, his timing, his methods are well suited to get you ready for the greatest moments of your life still out ahead, which those are the things that we like normally talk about all the time. He says, but if you can't stoop to being tested first, you are blocking the very future you long for. And that was yeah, we talk about that future we long for and getting there, but we don't necessarily feel a conviction or address the pride that's in our heart first. He says is the very thing that keeps us from that point. And so, um, yeah, I thought that was a really good thing for me to hear. Talk about next steps and all that. Yeah, so, Mark, I think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, I think at one point in a sermon, Sometimes you said uh, excitement or some synonym of excitement. Uh, excitement for Jesus does not equal obedience for Jesus. Mm. And I think this season's been hilarious for me because you're just left with no excitement, but you only have a choice to be obedient. Where like, you know, we haven't like, like literally haven't been patted on the back in like two months, but you get done preaching into a camera, you shut it off and you just feel like that was awful and you have no emotional feedback at all. And you just realize that you're only left with the decision to be obedient or not to Jesus in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I just, I, I genuinely believe in like my actions. If I take inventory, I genuinely believe that I can do something great for Jesus without being obedient all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just uh, love like, that's just getting beat out of me right now. And I just want to, you know, delight in the simple day-to-day -day obedience instead of just dreaming about greatness. It's a, I think it, yeah, it's the idea that enthusiasm for Jesus is not the same as obedience to Jesus. Yeah, that's what like it was. Coming to church once a week and being very enthusiastic about Jesus isn't the same as actually obeying him. Um, and I can't remember, we were, I think, in the Gospel of Mark or Matthew and talking through that. Um, it's, yeah, I think, I think this is so freeing. Something, I want to I quote Jake from last week. Uh, you guys know Jake has a way of getting to the nuggets. And he <laughs> dropped this bomb last week here on the roundtable. He said, he said, if you won't serve God anywhere, maybe you shouldn't serve God anywhere. And that resonated with me because in the the lord's in francis schaefer's sermon the lord's work the lord's way david mm -hmm. that you sent 
you sent us a couple weeks back. Schaefer says, to the extent that I demand leadership, I am not ready for Christian leadership. To the extent that I demand leadership, I'm not ready for Christian leadership. Like, I wonder for you guys that are, you know, young, ambitious, like thinking about someday, you know, doing this or that for God, like, do you feel, and this is for all of us, like, do you feel willing to, to serve God anywhere? Or, you know what I mean? Because we all kind of have ideas of what we want to do and how our future, the end of the story is going to be. And do you guys agree with those? Of course you agree with it, but yeah, process it with me. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a, of course we agree with it. You know, I mean, I think we should agree with it, but I don't know. I, I think that the reality is that is a really hard, it's an easy thing to say. It's another thing to do, you know? And so I think everyone's like, oh yeah, of course I'll go. By the way, I don't know if you can hear this, but my son is banging on the, the door of the basement. <laughs> I actually was just delighting in that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, he's so awesome, man. He has derailed more uh, attempts at recording a podcast, this week, <laughs> but it's been so good. I think it's, yeah, it's one thing to, everyone says, oh, I'll take the lowest spot until Jesus goes, okay, here you go. And then you're like, oh, I thought that I could just say that and not actually do it. And I think, <laughs> you know, I mean, really, it, I think so, even from my own heart, being totally honest, like I'm, I'm wrestling with that a lot right now, you know, because we're, we're church planning candidates here. And, you know, I'm the only person on the screen that I think is essentially leading nothing right now. <laughs> I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm here at DOXA and, and there's other people who are kind of filling the, the pastoral leadership slots of this place. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm serving, I'm helping. But I think the question for us is like, yeah, long-term, where does God want us to go? And I, that's a huge wrestle I have in my soul right now is a few different questions, you know? And so one is like, yeah, where do I, where do I want to go? Cause I do think that that it matters something, you know, it, it has something to do with it. The thing that I want God to do is just tell me where to go. I mean, that would be beautiful. Like when God does that, it's, it's just awesome. Cause then it's like, oh, okay, you're going, you're going to this city. Sweet. I'm going to go there. Cause I, I you know, and I mean, you're, when you're planning a church, the only thing you're, the only thing that matters is where is God going? Cause at the end of the day, it's such a, it's such a daunting task that the idea of going and doing it without Jesus is insane. So you're just like, okay, wherever Jesus is going, that's where I'm going. And if he's going to, you know, some, some state school in Wisconsin that no one's ever heard of and, if that's where he's going and he's like, Hey, I'm going to go here. You, you want to come? I'm going to say yes to that for sure. Like without question, I'm going to say yes. I think that the bigger questions that I have right now are how do you figure out where God is leading you and how do you even get your ambition out of the way to hear him say something clearly? Mm. Because a lot of my heart right now is I'm like, how do I just get my pride out of the way and get quiet enough so that I can even begin to hear the spirit of God telling me what to do and where to, and where to go and, um, and don't yeah. you feel like in, in so many ways, um, you know, ambition is obviously a beautiful thing that, that God is going to use, but I feel like what Jesus is constantly doing is trying to rein it back. You know, I just, 
I, I just got done meditating through John 21. And, you know, here's Peter that would seem to be the prototype for the maverick church planter. Man, as soon as we get this guy straight with Jesus, he's going to blow doors, man. And you, you turn to the book of Acts and man, he's bold and he is championing the gospel. But what Jesus tells him, I mean, he's like pulling the reins back in John 21. Do, do you love me, Peter? Yes, Jesus, I love you. Then go crush it, man. Go find every city you're supposed to go to. No, you know, he says three times, you know, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, Peter, feed my sheep. You know what I mean? Just, I just feel like often Jesus is choosing men with great ambition and rightly so. And don't like apologize or confess that as some kind of sin that you have, you know what I mean? Ambition. But then look back and see what Jesus says to young men about to do great things for him. And what he says is, actually what I really want your focus to be is feeding my sheep. Go feed my mm -hmm. sheep, Peter. You know what I mean? And man, that's for me, like raises the stakes, but also gives me kind of comfort. Like, okay, I can do that. You know what I mean? And yeah. It is hard. I mean, David, thinking about, would you go to a city that no one knows the name of and go do ministry there. I mean, I kind of think about, I mean, Jeff, you did that. You went to Ames. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well I played. Yeah. I yeah, well played. Ames, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, you get there and we always joked. We always said this, like in the middle of a bunch of cornfields, God does something miraculous mm. it's like you're in galilee and god says yeah i'm gonna make this the hub of a mm. gospel movement and so you you kind of never know uh where and how and you, you know what i mean it's mm. it's kind of like uh i don't know drew i've been watching i started the jordan documentary last night yeah and they're talking about like scotty pippen's hometown you know in arkansas you just like the the sports version you never know what's going to come out of your your little town i mean the gospel version just like god god um sometimes he often chooses obscure places to bless to shame the the strong and the wise and the like you might find christ there you know um, Jeff, I'm curious how you've seen that through your years of ministry and how those stops in those different small town Iowa or different churches or, you know, how, how those like stops along the way have shaped you. Yeah, I it's funny because I can't remember now. I So I've read so many of these little <laughs> cool articles. Now I'm confusing which one came from where, but but I think it was a Tozer quote that I'm going to come to. So I just remember right after seminary, you know, I'd kind of ridden the, I guess the wave of success through my seminary years and out in Los Angeles and just had the time of my life, just loving it and landed in this tiny little town in Northern Iowa and was just getting the crap beat out of me. I mean, just pummeled. I mean, I was just getting just absolutely decimated in my soul for two years up there and when I got out, to, I got, to, got a chance to go back out to L.A. to visit some friends in the midst of that. And when this guy, Chris Mueller, this older guy, pulled me aside and heard what was going on in my life and, and roughly gave that same quote that is in, I think, that article we read where 
uh, God hurts those most deeply that is going to use most profoundly or something like that. Was it in this article? Was it in the Ray Ortland article? Yeah. The Tozer quote. God, the Tozer, can you, do yeah. you have it in front of you, Mark? It is, doubtful, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly mm-hmm. until he has hurt him deeply. Yeah. <laughs> when, that, when those words came to me, I still remember where I was standing in Los Angeles in front of Chris Mueller as he dropped that on me. And it just gave me so much hope. Like I still had to go back to the, you know, the woodshed back in Allison, Iowa, where, but, but it gave gave purpose to it. You know what I mean? And so I think that continues on you guys. I mean, my life has been peppered periodically with really painful moments as yours is and will be. Um, and to see the purpose in that, that I feel like, you know, even over this last couple of years, I've, I've said that my ability to feel other people's pain has increased like by some crazy mm-hmm. quotient. And I think it's come through pain, but I'm so grateful. Like who, who signs up for that? Nobody wants it. But I'm telling you what, what Jesus wants is for us to be good shepherds of his people and some of that is to be able to have this sonar that can detect pain and run to it like a fireman running to fire. We run to brokenness. We run to pain. We run to that. And our ability to find that and navigate that. So I'm just saying, I, not, not just that one moment back when Chris Mueller said that to me, but that's continued to ring into my soul through painful yeah. moments, you know? And so I think yeah. about how this is not just for those with ministry ambition, but all the students who leave salt with ambition, whether it's, you know, to go out into the world and be successful mm-hmm. at business, start a company, you know, uh, be a doctor, what, whatever the ambition is, go start a nonprofit and um, do all these things. Um, I don't know, Drew, I was thinking about your conversation with Zach Eswine on your podcast last week. And he talked about, you've got all these millennials now who are like kind of in that place of maybe newly married, maybe young families and feeling the empty, like all the dreams that they had. And I don't know, he, he referenced the, the commercial with Matthew McConaughey and it's like a car advertisement. And I, I don't even know what it is, but he's just like the dream of being free and in a sports car or whatever it is. Um, I thought that was so interesting. Like what has become of all the passion and optimism and I'm going to go out and change the world. And now it's some years later. Um, yeah, just, just the grind of the, the ordinary life Mm. and how, you know, that drew that kind of stuck out to me from your time with Zach and, kind of makes you think about I don't know and I'm thinking about um you know uh David and Drew you guys you guys have young families you know and it's just like you know your your kids uh wanting to get in just the grind of life you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and how that that actually is a great dream to live that out um I want to read this quote he says uh he, he says, you might feel more ready than you are. He's talking about how we all need time. Um, and he says, maybe you've looked at an older Christian leader in action and thought, I could do what he's doing and maybe better. 
But what that man is doing is harder than it looks. When a senior leader is performing well and people are responding to the ministry and the ministry is flourishing, the reality is this. Hidden deep within that man, nuanced understandings and finely honed skills and mature disciplines are converging moment by moment to make him compelling. He said, I'm not exalting him or diminishing you. I'm only saying that a man in his 60s, if he has walked humbly with God and striven to keep growing and growing, is a more profound man than he himself was in his 30s. How could it be otherwise? So give yourself time. God is faithfully investing in you more than you can see. He values you. He's preparing you for the final climactic mission of your life and your death. Don't resent his maturing process along the way. Wow. I mean, and I was thinking about this, not just in my, like in ministry, but the one person I see this in is my wife. You know, when I think about um, going from a new mom, you know, having our first child to now, like where we're at, just the, the wisdom, the expertise, the knowledge, the confidence that comes from years and years of just like walking with God. And so I wonder like, who's someone in your life that you see, you see that in, like, that's true because I, I see that in this like 70 year old person, you know, that kind of like, that is a profound person because of just time and age. One of the guys that has been a huge encouragement to me during this season in our church is one of our elders named Terry Langeland. And Terry's in his, in his sixties, he owns a painting business. And immediately when the shelter in place order, you know, came out in Minnesota, he knew that he wouldn't have business. And it was just amazing because his just initial response was I've learned the secret of being content. Like God's got me. I've seen him do a lot of cool things in the past. I expect nothing less in the future. And so I'm just going to walk in confidence. And so it's his response to trials. And then, you know, we were just praying yesterday as an elder team, and uh, I had shared this John Bunyan quote with him. One of my favorite quotes. You guys have probably heard me say it before. John Bunyan said, there's enough sin in one prayer of mine to damn the whole world. And I shared that with Terry. And, we, and we're, you know, praying through a psalm. And he just starts laughing. And he's just like, Drew shared this quote with me. I want to share it with you guys. And we were just praying. And I was just thinking, that's so true. Because I just prayed this phrase and I thought, Terry, that was really well said, you know, during my prayer. And, but, but there's no like self-condemnation in it, you know? So there's this resilience in handling suffering and this, he takes sin with such seriousness, but not heavy heartedness, hmm. you know? And, and I'm just like, man, I want to. I want to be more like that. That's, 
a beautiful thing. Mm. What about the rest of you guys? It's, it's my dad, you know, I mean, he's in his sixties and I think he's that he's been an elder at the church he's part of for, for years and years. And I just feel like when I, yeah, when I call my dad, it's like, no matter what kind of up and down emotional thing I'm riding in that week or, you know, whatever, like new thing, I'm like, dad, you got to read, you got to read this article. And we got to talk, you know, it did. There's something like, there's just a level of wisdom that he has of like walking with God for years and years. It's like a very, you know, centering thing for, for me. And it, you know, it's interesting because he, when he was younger, he really felt like a, he wanted to do ministry, like really badly wanted to do ministry. And like God just kind of just closed the door and was like, no, I want you to go work a normal job. And, and for my dad, that really felt like, dying you know he was like i want to do this like i love i love jesus i want to do ministry and i mean the lord just like clearly told him no and but it's it's interesting because if i when i talk to most of the people i know my dad has shown me like a clearer picture of god as father than i mean any anyone Mm. like i don't know you know i'm even thinking about this with my own son i'm like i don't there was never a moment where like my dad was a pretty high up guy working at Caterpillar and I I would call him during the day and it was like, no matter what meeting he was in, he would like leave it and answer my call and just be like, Hey, I'm in a meeting. I'll call you back. And I'm just like, there was never a moment in my life where I thought that my dad's work was more important than me. You know, never, not a single moment ever. And I, and there's something in that that's like really instructive for me because it's like, this is a man who's, who's now old and who's wise and who basically has the freedom of like walking with Jesus that his identity is like, he has no identity in his performance at his job. He's like, I just want to be a good dad. Like Jesus loves me. He's, he's my dad and he's a great father. And I want to be a good dad to, to me. And so yeah, he's, he's my answer for mm-hmm. that. Beautiful. Drake, what about you? Yeah, I was, I was thinking through this and I, I think for me, there's been a couple examples of people that I've been able to know or interact with kind of in the salt network or like Mark, I think of times at your dad's house where just seeing him loving Jesus, loving other people where he's at. And I think something I learned a lot in Iowa city, uh, one quote that you said, Mark is like, it's easiest to lead something you're not leading. And then the idea of just be faithful and like that line is what gets you to being like where your dad's at or being like these other characters that I've been able to look up to and see them still running hard after Jesus, them still being hospitable and on mission um, comes from that idea of just be faithful where you're at. So that's been huge for me to learn. Yeah, totally. Ryan. Yeah, it, this whole call is hilarious because this is at every single like layer of relationship and age in my life. Like these are probably a year, probably the five, along with some family, probably like the five most shaping people in my life, which is super funny. And so I just can't seem to narrow it down to like one great thing you guys have said, but it really has just been relationship over time. 
that has shaped me that you guys have shaped me. And I mean, Drew, the moment I, you know, showed up to salt company as a freshman and we started hanging out, you, you said that like ministry is relationships and you guys have reinforced that over my years in Iowa city over the past seven years, just by being there for me a lot. And I, not taking ourselves too seriously and being faithful to your lives and what God has put in front of you with your families and stuff and your ministry. And I, I'm just like, like right now is like a funny little metaphor of like what my whole last seven years have been. I'm just sitting here like soaking up everything you guys say and like smiling and like admiring what God's doing in you and how he's gifted you. And so, yeah, I think honestly, you guys, you're all super old. Uh, and super we inspiring really <laughs> we really are you guys so are like old. my elder <laughs> that's hilarious no. Jeff, sorry to let you down man you really don't have anyone better than us to it's just kind of <laughs> i feel kind of bad for you right now no i'm getting all i know like, all the people I'm on this call up over here, like, uh, trying to make this like an overly sentimental thing like uh, i miss you guys so much you know one of this is the quarantine talking right now <laughs> in his house by himself <laughs> You, you caught me at like the loneliest moment of my life. And I'm just like, I miss you guys so much. And You've been playing would, so much Xbox. <laughs> like it, Drew, Drew, it wouldn't matter who is on the screen. I'd be telling them they're the most influential person of my life. <laughs> like, doesn't matter at all. You're like talking to freshmen from Salt. You're like, you changed my life, man. <laughs> Please no! Don't hang, hang up. Don't hang up. <laughs> My mom's calling me for dinner. No, just eat dinner with me. Through <laughs> through that that line. That's the quarantine talking right now. <laughs> if you if you actually wanted a tour of my house, like you said earlier, you would just see like an empty pantry and like a bunch <laughs> of like. A bunch of things that just cry out like help. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, let's get this back on the rails. <laughs> okay, so, boy, I'm once again. I I feel like all I do is repeat what you guys say, but actually, figuring I was gonna, you know, you're gonna come around the horn and get to me as well. I am not trying to be cheesy. I'm not trying to just ride that wave that, that Ryan was just creating. I was actually thinking about, I'm, I'm deeply grateful. There's always been somebody older than me that I'm able to look up to and, and they are many, but guys, I'm, I'm very serious when I say you guys are inspiring to me. In fact, as I was listening to you guys reflect, even on that article by Ray Ortland. I was just getting a little emotional because I thought there's a lot of ambitious young leaders that would ha see that article come through social media or whatever, take a glance at it and kind of walk away. You guys not only read it, you passed it around. You wanted to talk about it more. You wanted to let it actually impact your life and the way you think and move. And I'm just saying, how awesome is that? If you guys are the leaders, the next generation leaders of God's church. I'm so hopeful. I feel like Jesus, just take me now. <laughs> I don't, I don't need to be here anymore. These guys got it. And I am just so, so encouraged by your lives and stuff. So yeah, you're honestly, you really are 
my inspiration, you guys. One of the things that I love about, um, I was thinking about my dad, you know, and I, one of the, my favorite sermons was on my dad's life and Drew, I'm just going to give a quick plug for your podcast next week because uh, you asked me to come on with my dad and your dad's going to be on. Wow. And I think nice. that will be a great opportunity to just hear from some guys in their 60s and 70s as we just like draw them out and listen mm. to what they have to say. But I think that my life is similar to my dad's in the sense that I think my life sermon, and you guys all know this because you've been around, is like, I want people to, um, after they hang out with me, think to themselves, like, yeah, dude, anybody could do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys know that, like, it can't, if Mark can do it, it can't be that hard. And I think <laughs> some of the things be just like, it's really, it's, it's like actually this simple. Like, just keep showing up. You, it's, it's that, I mean, Drake, you said it, but I really think that from my dad's life, it's just, just keep coming back, just keep showing up. And eventually you'll look at yourself as a 70 year old person that kept showing up for 70 years or 50 years, however long you've been walking with Christ. And you will see this massive harvest field that, that has been, like there's going to be so many people in heaven because of my dad's ministry over the mm -hmm. years, whether it's leading someone to Christ, sitting next to him on the airplane, or whether it's like we went down to Florida when I was a kid and we had like five stops along the way in Mississippi. And these were all people my dad just had led to Christ at different times. And, and it's just over time, it just accumulates, you know, and I really love what Ortland said. And, and it's, and, and my dad's not a mega church pastor. You know what I mean? My dad's not a celebrity in any way other than a celebrity among the people that have been around him. And I just like, one of the reasons this call is so meaningful to me is what matters on this call is not how successful any one person is. It's the friendship that we all have. Like, I look at you guys, I'm like, man, I love these guys. I want to just hang out more, you know? And, and I think that that is so what I want the ministry legacy to be is not the crowds or the people or the views or whatever, but just the friendships. Hmm. And um, yeah, man, I, I, I love it. Um, thinking about that, processing this stuff. I want to, I want to, um... well, Hey Mark, let me just say you're you, the way that you, uh, look up to your dad, you've modeled that. I mean, all these younger guys will, will join me in saying like, even now through this pandemic and having to roll with the punches, dude, there's nobody that leads <laughs> with, with more just kind of spirit led spontaneity and able to just be resilient and figure it out and stay in the batter's box more than, than you. And that's just because you just naturally pull people in and collaborate. You don't hide in a corner and, and whip up some plan and, and meticulous. No, you 
pull everybody that you know into relationship to figure it out together. You know what I mean? And that that's just been, this has been, even though we've had to social distance it, you've had a way of pulling people into your world and your leadership and your thinking at an accelerated pace through all this, you know? So, man, you learned, you learned well, brother. It, that's really been fun. Well, I, think, I think the, there's some weird noise going on in the background. Yeah, Sorry. there is. It's a, we have an awesome HVAC system. So um, <laughs> still, still making those noises, huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, which this is an incredible segue to the next point. I want to talk about just kind of changing the subject a little bit and just some stuff that I've been processing. Um, so Ryan and I were talking recently and you know, it's related to the, the Schaefer's, the Lord's work and the Lord's way. And what I'm trying to think about is this whole quarantine is kind of everyone's in a forced timeout. And it, it's connected, David, with your thoughts on do nothing. I want to kind of riff on that idea. But, but it's this whole, the, the tension of like, on one hand, it's like, okay, get to work, get busy, get going, get we got to keep this whole church thing going. Like the show must go on. Let's get to work. And on the other side, it's like, maybe this is our time to do nothing and pray and seek God and ask God to examine us and repent of our idols of busyness. And do you know that, that tension I'm kind of describing? And yeah, like ways we naturally tend to do the Lord's work in a human way and what does it mean to do the lord's work in the lord's way and what is this season of quarantine like doing to us to draw us into god so i guess david um that willard quote i don't know if you have it or could share it or just kind of some of your thoughts on that yeah well the quote i don't have it in front of me but the quote is, he says something, it's, it's awesome. He basically says one of the, one of the greatest uh, markers of spiritual maturity is the capacity to do nothing. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. I mean, just the idea of the, the capacity to do nothing. And, you know, Dallas Willard is like, oh yeah, that is one of the greatest spiritual attainments that you can have. And uh, I found it. I found it in your text, David. Uh, yeah, I read it. Yeah, it's yeah. A, this is a quote from Dallas Willard. One of the greatest spiritual attainments is the capacity to do nothing. This idea of doing nothing seems terrifying to most people I talk with. Possibly the gentle father in heaven <laughs> would draw near if we would just be quiet and rest for a bit. <laughs> yeah. the capacity to do nothing <laughs> i've heard capacity used about man that's a high capacity leader that's a <laughs> high capacity teacher but i have never thought of that person excels they have a super high capacity to do nothing <laughs> like how could that possibly be a virtue <laughs> I mean, it's the, the thing that I love about it. So one of the, one of the, one of our missionaries came, came back from overseas, right? Cause they're all getting, they're all getting, you know, sent back. It's, 
and I was having a conversation with him. And so he spent all this time, all this money, like fundraising. I mean, just like working super hard to go and do this great thing for <laughs> Jesus. And then as soon as they get there, the entire world falls apart. They can't, everyone, like the city they're supposed to be in is like the most isolated city in the world. Or, I mean, it's just like, there's, there's, you can't, can't, there's no one to talk to. They're all in their houses, right? And so he comes home and it's like, what kind of conversation do you have with Jesus at that point? Where you've, you've got like all this fundraising, you've worked super hard. And it's just like the door has been slammed in your face in that moment of like, and so there's like two responses. One is like, okay, I'm going to figure out whatever I can possibly do to be as productive as I was going to be in this season of futility. And it feels like that, that feels like about the most foolish way you could respond to this moment in time to me like in the way i'm viewing it it just feels it feels like the like it's like seven years rolls around and god's like okay your your fields are gonna are fallow you can't plant right like this kind of year of sabbath and it's like all right we're gonna figure out how to go into another enterprise and make twice as much money and it's like that might be missing the point and so his the conversation i was having with him is he was like i've never had to i've never been able to do so little for the Lord. Mm. The only option I have is merely to just be instead of do. He's like, I'm just, I just am known by God. That's all I have right now. And the question is, is that enough? And as we were processing that together, you know, the thing we, this is exactly what Jesus tells us matters, right? Like when he sends the 72 out and they come back and they're like, oh, the demons, like even they submit to us. It's incredible. Mm. And he's like, man, you know, what's even cooler than that that your name's in the book of life. Like God, God knows you. And that's actually way cooler. It's better. It's actually the thing that you should rest in. Wow. And so I feel like right now there's this, there's two opportunities that, I, that I'm feeling God pressing down on me is one is, is not an opportunity. How to, how do I leverage this moment of time out? to be as productive as I can possibly be, but it's more, how do I, how do I emerge from quarantine a more holy person? That is my, that's my goal from this. I want to, when I leave my house at the end of this thing, I want to walk out actually more like Jesus. Um, so I'm, I'm really working hard at, at, at that praying a lot towards that. Mm. But the other thing Jim is, David. Oh, yeah, no, well, yeah, no, oh, I just, that <laughs> the other thing, the other thing that I'm feeling is I, I want to, um, I feel like God's telling me to, to slow down and it's like being versus doing like, what is, what if that's what you have at the end of it? What if you don't have, what if the spiritual gifts you got that seem to be, have this kind of prominent place in the kingdom right now? What if the structure of the church changes? So your gift of teaching is not actually that valuable anymore. What if, you know, what if things change? What if, you lose your voice, like what, whatever it is. Like, what if you actually have to just be and, and that's all you have right now? Is that enough? And I feel like in this moment, I'm like, yeah, it, it is. Mm. It is. So those are the, mm. the two things I'm feeling. Drew, what were you saying? Well, you were, you were getting into something that I've been thinking about just in terms of identity. And mm. I was listening to a lecture yesterday by Rosaria Butterfield. I'm interviewing her tomorrow on my oh, podcast, cool. but she was, she, her article was about, or her lecture 
was about um, how you can't have dual identities. When you're in Christ, that that identity has to be so big that it's virtually your only identity. And she was contrasting it with people who want to be gay Christians, mm. right? So that was sort of the topic. And so she's talking about that. And you know when you're listening to something and it's not really what they're talking about and then you get convicted of something that it's the Holy Spirit. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Drew, you're trying to be a pastor Christian. Mm. Wow. And wow. and I just got on my knees in in my bedroom slash office, you know, and was just like, I'm sorry, God. And and one of the reasons that it it came out is I I had a night um not too long ago where I just couldn't sleep. It was the middle of the night, and I told guys on our staff that it felt like Jake each was sitting on my chest. You guys remember his, <laughs> his illustration from the, from the conference, you know, but you know, when you just feel the presence of God and it's just like, God is doing, doing something. And I, I think it was, I was fighting God on some things that he wanted me to confess to our elders. Mm. And one of the things that I confessed is uh, I've been hiding some aspects of myself because I was starting to wear the identity of pastor above the identity of being a child of God. Mm. And, and I'm just, I've been broken about that lately. And just like, like almost not wanting to reemerge from the quarantine, like not wanting it to go back to normal. Mm. And, not wanting to get back on that treadmill. And uh, I feel in some ways, like it's, it's kind of back to college a little bit with my relationship with God when I don't have the, the stage, you know, it's like there's, I'm not standing in front of 450 people and having them tell me I did a good job. It's like, you know, you're just like, we've said, speaking to a camera and kind of, so, so I'm resonating with that, that same mm. thing, just God wanting to make me holy and, mm. and, and being, I, I almost feel restrained by the Holy Spirit right now from being too kind of ambitious, you know? One of the, mm. one of the ways that I think we, like you talked about the treadmill, I don't want to get back on the treadmill. I think what mm. I've loved is God you know, all of a sudden, all of our buildings and expensive sound systems and everything are just sitting empty and the church goes on. And when I think about the Lord's work in the Lord's way, Jeff preached on friendship from John mm. 21. And, and just like, I don't know, Ryan, I'd love for you to, Ryan was, had this amazing riff on this thing. He's like, Mark, one of the things about Veritas that I love is you can take the church out of the hotel, but you can't take the hotel out of the church. <laughs> Ryan, I wonder if you could unpack that a little bit. And what you're saying is, you were like, one of the words that makes me sick to my stomach is excellence. Like, 
it gives you nausea. And I'm, I'm connecting this Drew to the treadmill idea. The <laughs> I've got to get back and we got to do a great job of ministry. We, like the show must go on. And like, what, Ryan, what did, what did you mean by that? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I think I, yeah, was saying something like, it is liberating to be like trained at Veritas in a way because when, you know, I don't feel the pressure to be excellent because you don't, this is going to sound so bad. <laughs> when your pastor you don't, you is don't. that, when your boss is this mediocre. Here's the exact quote that Ryan said when we were hanging out. He goes, he said, I know that I don't have to be perfect because I've never seen perfection. <laughs> oh. oh, shoot. We likened it. Thank you. Ryan, no, could you isn't that cool, though? That's like the coolest thing you could ask for, right? Because, mm. I mean, it's like all these things we're talking about. It's just like. What the, here's another gem that Ryan said. He said. Excellence requires first priority. It has to be in the driver's seat if it's in the car. Mm. Wouldn't you rather just see God do stuff on accident? Ryan, what did you mean by that? And here's why I'm going down this path. Because I see excellence was the word of right. the last generation. Like, if you look at the history of that, it's like, it was the the boomer generation that was watching like kind of a the church fumbling their way through it and then you know all of a sudden you know the willow creek comes along and it's like wait we can actually do a really good job of church and use cameras and lights and stages and auditoria you know what i mean it became more of a presentation and we need to do a good job and the drive toward excellence that's a word yeah. that was used a lot but i see in you guys like kind of like stop talking about excellence like right and it's it's not like a overall distaste for good things like i'm super thankful for really good things and especially good art and good production and you know and like i think i've just been it'd be stupid to say that that's not a huge blessing in the church but Mark, we were just talking. It's like, all right, you, you were listening to some mega church pastor who was really polished and beautiful. And you're like, I think I could do that. You know, I think I could become like that. And what we realized in our conversation was like, yes, you probably could. But that meeting you have with Austin, our youth pastor, you'd have to give that up. Like you can't, you can't spend two hours in the coffee shop with him every week. Uh, stuff like this. Like all think back to just like the countless amount of hangouts that we've had that have been so life giving and like have just dug into our friendship and sparked that you would have to give that up. And so it almost just feels like excellence starts to grow in unhealthy ways when it becomes part of our vocabulary that like makes me at least turn inward uh, and become self focused and prioritize my own growth and my own product than the people that God has put right in front of me. And yeah, I think 
like Keller says, hit singles. That's our job. The Holy Spirit will make it a home run if he desires when it comes to like preaching. But that's just kind of like needs to be, in my mind, the whole entire ministry mindset where, I don't know, I would rather have better relationships with you guys than have a, a more polished sermon. <laughs> How did we end up with a metaphor of tubing down a river? What was that? <laughs> Oh shoot! It, well, no, because it was a more fun metaphor than trying to get a a pilot up from a ravine. Yeah. <laughs> That's an inside joke, Brian. What what was the? Well, Mark, you're trying to avoid the fact on live on YouTube live right now that you <laughs> somehow got your Honda Pilot stuck at the bottom of a massive ravine, and we all had to help you get it out. But we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> I think we got to the boat and tubing thing, Mark, because we were appreciating cruise ships a little bit. Like that, those are really good things, you know, like <laughs> they're awesome. But mm -hmm. the way we probably described our church was more like a bunch of sunburnt <laughs> dudes with their shirts off floating down a dirty river with like a cooler of beer floating next to them type of thing. Cooler like, <laughs> of pop. Cooler. Oh of yeah. Pop. No, I said that. <laughs> I said that. I, cause that's, yeah, that's, that's right. Um, but yeah, it's almost like Ryan, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> we're making, we're making a caricature of Veritas and just like the culture, probably what it looks like to look in is probably, uh, you don't see like a, a fancy speedboat or anything. You just see a bunch of dudes chilling on a dirty river sunburnt on their tubes so you know what here yeah. here's here's something i we've been thinking about lately about this is there's a there's a tendency towards excellence and perfectionism that comes by trying to shape the church after uh corporations and marketing strategies of the world and there's a way of letting the body of christ actually use all of its gifts and it seems like these are two things that actually end up sometimes looking similar, right? Where if you look at the temple, like the temple was the greatest piece of architecture around, but it was like empowered by the spirit of God for artists to actually come in and, and build this thing. And like art, you know, the architecture, like the, the jewels, like the draperies, all those things. And so I, I think that the, the tension, I think that I feel in this is like, you've got, you have, you have artists and you have people who are extremely gifted in certain areas that if the church is going to actually fire on all cylinders, those people in their unique gifts should be able to use those gifts in the context of the local church. I think where it becomes wrong is when the goal is not the gift using is not the body using its gifts when the goal is to be cool. Like that's the goal. Right. Like the goal is mm. for, for the average non-Christian to come in and go, the body and blood of Jesus, eh, I'm not sure about that, but this is cool. And I want to come because of this. It seems like that's exactly the opposite of what Paul is saying. He's like, no, no, don't right. do that. If you do well, that, you're, you're going to you're saying, What you're saying is when the product becomes more of a priority than the people, yeah. you, have a, you have a disaster waiting to happen. But yeah. like when the, when the priority is the people, the product is going to be what it is. And if that looks yeah. like a cruise ship instead of a bunch of bums tubing down a river, Awesome. Praise God for that. Uh, if the, if the art and the production is awesome mm. because the people and their gifts were prioritized, 
Praise God. Yeah. Don't you think, I remember hearing the story about Charles Spurgeon and essentially there was a, a guy from America who went over to Great Britain in the 1800s and he went around to different churches to kind of see the best preachers. And he was kind of comparing, contrasting, kind of writing an article. And basically he decided this guy was the best orator and this guy was the most concise and all this. And then he said, uh, all I remember when I listened to Charles Spurgeon was the cross. Like, I, I don't remember someone preaching. <laughs> I just remember Jesus. And it's like, how do you quantify that as excellence? Mm. <laughs> like, that was an excellent job, Charles. You know, it's like, no, that's, it's something else. And excellence to me doesn't, I mean, where do you find it in the Bible? First of all, that bothers me. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I think what we're talking about is we want, we want to have spirit filled ministries and churches. And, and that doesn't just involve preaching, but it also, to your point, David, involves at every level within the ministry. How can people be doing ministry in the power of the spirit? Yeah. Well, it's the picture that you're coming together to, to present to people, right? So I think the, the issue that we have with the idea of excellence is it's like, we're going to get together and we are going to work as hard as we can with smoke and lights and perfect sound to hold up uh, something other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because there's actually a shape of ministry and the shape of a life that that is supposed to conform to the image of Christ, right? And so this this whole, I mean, we just got done finishing, you know, towards the end of Acts where Paul is basically... I mean, the whole, a lot of the end of Acts is basically saying, look at Paul's life. It's just like Jesus is like, even the pacing is the same. You know, he goes, he goes to Jerusalem like Jesus did. There's so much of it. That's basically saying, man, like when people look at your life as a Christian, they're supposed to, in some tangible way, see Jesus. Like you, your life is supposed to take the shape of the life of Christ. And I think that, you know, if all of the, yeah, cause Spurgeon, like that's a dude who, worked hard you know so that and he he was extremely excellent so that at the end of the day people walk away and go who was that guy but whoa jesus is amazing you know and so i think that that is the that's the goal and that's the picture but i think when the body works right and when the body is like coming together as a whole that's the thing that's lifted up that's the presentation that the world sees well and i think don't you think it's true too that there are a precious few preachers who are still like their names roll off the tongue. Charles Hedden Spurgeon is one of precious few throughout the ages that we still even refer to and know, Oh, that's a preacher, but the church goes on and on. The church mm -hmm. is strong, the church. So that that's what Christ cares about. You know, I, I was even thinking like part of the, you know, thing during the coronavirus is, well, how, how do we need to, manage the church? How can we make sure that we go? And here's the reality. Even again, this morning, early this morning, I'm talking to all these different connection group leaders that, that I, you know, kind of coach or whatever. You guys, they're all such studs. They're all just incredible shepherds of God's people. They're, 
taken care of it. We don't need command central at all. Like, I'll around like, hey, wait, don't you need me? You gotta be, I gotta be your 911, you know? No, they're doing awesome. And what I'm saying is, God is so well pleased when the church is really healthy and God's church is strong and God's church is flourishing. And whoever did the preaching, you know, very few of our churches have a Charles Haddon Spurgeon at the helm. <laughs> and yet the church seems to be doing just well and thriving and everything else. And glory be to God, you know, that we don't, the pressure is not to be a great preacher. The pressure is build my church, you know, <laughs> like the pressure is feed my sheep. And yep. but dude, I feel like we have not heard near enough from Drake, Mark. I know this is your podcast. Well, dude, I want to hear from Drake. We're going to get to Drake when we start talking about who would win an Olympics mm. between our churches. Because yep. that's where Drake really <laughs> shines. Yeah. But, oh, very Drake, pumped about that. I would love to hear you riff on this topic of – it, it's and it's really I mean this this whole thing is like what does it mean to do the Lord's work the Lord's way mm-hmm. is God doing something to get our attention to say what we should really be about mm. like yeah sometimes doing nothing it's like if you're waiting on the Lord to a business person on Madison Avenue that looks like you're doing nothing. But to God, it looks like you're doing the most important thing. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of what we're talking about right now. Yeah. I feel like for me, something that I've been processing more and more is um, like even in this season, the call as the church, having the people as the priority is just loving the people in front of you and doing that well, even in this season, because so one thing that I've been really impacted by is Bonhoeffer's idea of that wish, wish dream of community and having this dream of what you want it to be. And with that dream can come, yeah, production with that dream can come excellence. And when you have that as your dream, you, you lose sight of the people that are actually in front of you. And so that's just been something I've like been processing more and more is I want to be someone who's growing more and more to just, love the people that are in front of me and build those relationships and make that the emphasis. And that's been something I've been learning a ton throughout this year with like starting a salt company and I can have my emotions fluctuate on attendance or things like that. But I just want to love the people that are there. And I think I see that even in this season too, because I'm just like, how do I pursue to love the church well and the people and, community that God has blessed me with and just that simple message that I want to keep coming back to. Drake, every time I hear about Salt St. Thomas, I'm like, I would want to be a student in that ministry. <laughs> oh no. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. It's because it's and like I one of the things that I loved when I left Ames, I, I had this thing, you know, you know the statement, you miss the forest for the trees. Like mm-hmm. you got so caught up in the details that you miss the big picture. Like I would say for me, it was the opposite as the salt director. When I was in Ames, I was missing the trees for the forest. Like I would just look out on a crowd of people. I would look at 150 student leaders, or I would look out on 350 people signed up for the retreat, or I would look at, you know what I mean? And when we planted a church, Mm. there was no forest. (laughs) Just (laughs) trees, like you couldn't miss the, do you know what I mean? 
And yeah. so in our staff meetings, yeah. when we started Veritas, every Monday morning, our staff meeting would start by, we wrote the name of every single person that was there at church. We would write their name on the whiteboard. And we just, <laughs> we tried to every week just say, do you think between the six of us, we could come up with every single person that was there. We just wrote their names on the board and we just call it the people who were there. And I think that like- <laughs> What a clever, that yeah. a clever way to name that. You guys, this, I know this is complicated. I know- <laughs> What did you call it? Write that down I'm the one that has to climb up to get the cookies on the bottom shelf, as Jake would say. Uh. But Drake, what I'm saying is like, we, we fantasize about having these huge salt companies and leading these big ministries, but that's not the heart of what that's about. Like, what have you learned about that? And, and I mean, that's kind of what you're saying is just like, yeah, this year getting that going is kind of a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been like, how do I still pray expecting God to do awesome things. But then when it comes time for people to walk through the door, get so pumped about every individual that comes in and just like be there in the moment, conversations with those people, like genuinely curious about their life. So pumped about where they're at, not wondering where's this other person or like where are more people, but like just being locked in. And I think I've just seen, it's fun at the end of the year to get these moments where you're having interviews, you're, having these conversations and you're seeing just the impact of that investment um, that our staff has had. And, and so that's just like the joyous thing that I want to keep going back to is loving the people that show up, caring for them and just building those relationships. And it's been, it's been so sweet. Drake, I love that perspective. Like every time someone walks in, it feels like a miracle that they <laughs> I totally remember that stage of Veritas was like, Dude, you came to this thing? Like, yeah. oh. it's a miracle that this is happening. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome. Dude, I want to, I want that. All right, guys, we're, uh, we'll, we'll kind of, we're on the home stretch here. And as always, um, our goal is not to keep our audience captivated, but <laughs> just to keep us captivated. Um, <laughs> Drake. Yeah. Here it is. Who wins in an Olympic battle between Veritas, Iowa City, and Salt City Church? And of course, we have to fight over who gets David, right? Isn't Doxa Church just in this mix? Because I think we've got a pretty, uh, pretty good shot There's at it. There's a reason I left you guys out. <laughs> well, actually, I... If Rob and Ronnie are involved, there's no point in having a oh, discussion fun. on it. The very, real quick, the very first thing that happened with Rob Warren and me relationally, okay, I get to Madison. We go on a staff retreat. Rob is on a, a dock, like a, like a floating dock. And I'm trying to get everyone, I'm trying to get Ronnie like, dude, king of the dock, let's go. No one will go against Rob, right? Because they're like smart. And I'm like, dude, it's Rob. He's nice. He's not going to, obviously he's not going to hurt anyone. No one else will do it. And so I finally get frustrated. Enough. I'm like, fine, I'll go do this. Immediately, Rob breaks my rib and throws me into the water. That was the very first, <laughs> he literally just goes, he just, my body is so 
like small and tiny compared to his. And he just literally just goes like, I run at him and he pushes me off, but he just, his like football, like muscle memory kicked in and he just goes, bam. And he just like broke my rib and threw me into the water. <laughs> the very first thing. The very first. Oh my goodness. Rob. Rob pushed you into oh. the water and broke your rib. Yeah. 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 I don't, thing. I don't so, think we have a chance against yeah. Doxa. Oh man. I wish there was a video of that. So I actually, so Drake, I wrote David you, okay. on, onto our team. Drake, <laughs> yeah. you've seen Veritas game and yeah. Salt City game. Who wins? So I narrowed it down to the Summer, summer Olympics because uh, basketball has to be involved. And I, I thought through a couple different, you know, competitions, no bias at all. Uh, first one, beach volleyball has to be involved. Jordan Adams takes us over the, the hill with that one. Soccer, threw that in for Hamby. You can win that one. That's great. Uh, wrestling, we're throwing that in. I'm going up against Mikey and Ryan at the same time. And <laughs> Oh, yeah, baby. Going to be quick and easy work for me on that one. Uh, Weightlifting. Weightlifting. I'm putting Brian Dermody up against our whole staff team. Total weight. And I think Brian still wins. Uh, Ping pong, which is an Olympic sport. Had no idea before looking it up. But Veritas takes the win on that one. We don't have to. That's not even close. And then I, since David and Isaac are on our team, rock climbing is also an Olympic sport. It's new, I had to yeah. throw that in. They would take the edge. And then wrapping up with basketball, I'm, I'm calling for a seven-game series. And I think Salt City takes it in six. That's all oh. I'm saying. <laughs> Olympics 2020, Salt City with the win. That's my report. Back to you, Mark. <laughs> that was so well thought through. That I, was, I, dude. That was the only thing I prepared, so – that was well done. Sorry about that. Drake, if I, I would say that any team that's struggling with like chemistry on their team, if they add you, that's instant chemistry. Like Yeah, in competition, yeah. Yeah. Well just everything, dude. I, that's where Drew when when Drake's Drake, dude, you don't want to go up to Minneapolis, man. <laughs> Drew's just making up a job. He has no idea. <laughs> that was that's one night we still talk about is Mark, Mark and David. Like Jordan and I having that conversation where it's like, do you think David and Mark are saying, well, Drake's a, doing a good job of teaching. He's doing a good job as a, a discipleship group leader. He's. I really want him to stay here as my partner, and therefore we don't think he should come. <laughs> We think they're saying he's awesome. Therefore, he shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) And look who won. Look who won, Drew. Yeah. All right. Last thing, candy aisle, right? We're going to the candy aisle. This is what what has been entertaining to you, enjoyable to. So we're talking movies, books, podcasts. Ready, go. Drew, what, what do you got? Take us to... Give us some candy. Know where this is going? The way out. Well, you guys know I'm watching The Last Dance. Yep. On Sunday nights, so that's been good. You know, I did a I did a throwback. Have you guys ever seen the the movie? It's um, like 19, I want to say 20s or 30s. The Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn and Olivia De Havilland. Dude, so that's one good. Of my favorite, that's one of my favorite all time movies. And I watched that and. 
What is that? that was fantastic. The adventure. It's called The Adventures of Robin Hood. With Errol Flynn. Yeah, have you seen it, Jeff? Yes, our kids used to love that one too. We we popped that one on so good. <laughs> it has an amazing he, soundtrack. He was a freak of a dude, though. If you <laughs> look up his life, <laughs> pretty weird dude. But anyway, made a great movie about Robin Hood. <laughs> all right, Drew, is that all for us? That's it, man. David, what do you got? I've cut all the candy out of my life. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we are in this. Uh, we responded to the quarantine by doing even less than the government required us to do. <laughs> so we actually decided to do like no, no phone, no internet. We just felt like God was saying, it just, it felt like God was saying something and it felt like unless we worked hard to hear it, we might miss it. And so, uh, yeah, we, we're not doing any TV or anything like that. I think like once a week, we're like on Friday or something, we're watching a little bit of that. The, the book that I read most recently, you guys have talked about it. It's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. That book, man, has, it's, yeah, it's really good. Um, and it is kind of like candy because it's essentially, yeah, it's, there it is, yeah. It, it, it's, I, I'm reading Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard right now. And it's, it's a really good book, but I'm just like, dude, I kind of want It's not wanna... candy. No, it's not candy at all, man. I've not been so intellectually challenged like reading. I'm just like, I, how, give me, John Mark Comer, can you rewrite this book for me? Because <laughs> I need that, like, dude, you know. Even that bad boy right there. That one. I mean, same thing. It, yeah. It's almost easier to have other people who have deeply taken that in turn around and tell me it. Going back through it myself, I'm like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But no, my, my candy is just literally going outside and hanging out with my neighbors. So we, we, everyone's got super little kids. And so they're, it's, you cannot socially distance little kids. And so everyone in our cul-de-sac has just decided like, yeah, we're like the adults will stand six feet apart, but the kids, it's just like chaos. So we're just like quarantining at the edge of the cul-de-sac. So we're out every day with like the people who we live really close with and having some really cool, just building some, some good relationships. And so that's, yeah, I don't know. That's what we've been up to. Cool. Drake, what do you got? I mean, I'm right there with Drew on the last dance, looking at the the nineties bulls. Uh, so I've been on a nineties basketball documentary kick. Drew had to watch one of, uh, the magic Larry bird rivalry. We've got the, ma this magic moment. I mean, the list goes on. So that, wow. and also, you know, time outside that stuff. So, but that's mine. <laughs> there we go. Ryan, what do you got? Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't ask me to go right after David because his was like super good uh, and spiritual. <laughs> I, but Drake, thanks for taking one for the team there. I bought a Nintendo <laughs> Switch so I could play Super Smash Bros with my nephews. And yeah, yeah it feels really good to destroy little kids in video games. So that's been kind of my, my candy aisle recently. That's amazing. We need to cue a plug for The Chosen. Anything you want to say about yeah, that? Man, I, I compare The Chosen. Have you guys seen it already? The, the series The Chosen on the life of Christ? You guys, yeah. it, it will shock you. I, I have a, a, I don't know. I'm not very tolerant for some of the Christian subculture stuff that comes out. And so was assuming the worst and, and 
shocked by how incredible it is. I compare it to reading Eugene Peterson's The Message Mm -hmm. in the sense that it's insightful and it draws you in. I I am telling you, I could not recommend high enough The Chosen. But then on the more (laughs) shallow end of the pool, um, I'm listening to this new podcast series called Dolly Parton's America. (laughs) It's just so entertaining. (laughs) So every now and then I got to come up for air and just, just have a cultural moment. And uh, (laughs) I feel like you need to give a little apologetic for why Dolly Parton's America. Is that and by the way, explicit language in it. So I, I'm probably going to regret that I even put it out there. <laughs> so don't don't just turn it on with the kids or whatever. But don't hold you to it. No, she's just this American icon. You know when they when they do these. Um, so there's this popularity, like who's the most popular, who's the most name recognizable, or whatever. So she goes to the top of all those. But then if you turn that upside down, there's a way to say, who do you hate the most? You know, so even people that are well-loved by a big sector are also kind of despised. She like ranks as the most unhated person out there. Like virtually everybody in America loves Dolly Parton and has nothing bad to say about her kind of thing. And so she's just been around so long and is such an individual person. So just the things that come out of her unfiltered mouth and the way she lives her life, it's just Again, shallow into the pool, okay, but uh, it's just a dude that did a 10-segment series uh, with Dolly Parton. <laughs> That's fun. It we sounds so it. good, man. I... <laughs> dude, you got to come off of your... I know, yeah. You're really convincing David. me I got to get off this media <laughs> fast so I can... I can't believe I'm the one responsible to pull you off that holy moment, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. Um, well, hey, it was fun hanging out, and I look forward to the day we can hang out in person. Uh, Drake, maybe this competition, this Olympics is going to happen. Um, yeah, you got some young, you got some young studs uh, on that staff team, and so I, I'm kind of interested to see how this thing will play out. So we'll get it. We'll get it. Hey, um, guys, thanks for jumping on and hanging out. Uh, Want to put a little plug for Drew's podcast. Uh, tomorrow he'll be interviewing Rosaria Butterfield, right? Uh, yep, at noon. Yep. How can people find your podcast? Um, you can go to our website, saltcitychurch.com. That's probably the easiest way. And okay. click your way through. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Jeff, you get the last word. What do you got? Well, honestly, I think let's just pray because – My heart's full hanging out with you guys. So uh, yeah, let me pray us out. God, so grateful that together we call you our father. And though you are in heaven, you have allowed us here on this earth to enjoy your presence with the company of one another like this. And so I'm just so grateful, God, for, uh, for these dudes right here and bless them, Lord. They're trying to make hard decisions about how to lead and how to figure out using new tools in a tool belt they never thought they'd have to use with this whole coronavirus thing. So give them wisdom and discernment and a listening ear first to your spirit and then to the people that they're privileged to lead God. And just, I also pray, keep them from the evil one, Lord. We're, we're so vulnerable. We're just, just so stupid, so naive. And so, yeah, 
please help us, God. Keep us from the evil one because we want to give you glory now and forevermore. So uh, we love you, God, and pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Guys, thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to do this. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you guys. Yeah. Bye, guys.